Good evening and welcome to The Midnight Owl. I'm your host, Tim. The Midnight Owl is a proud member of the Not After 30 podcast network. This week's episode is about Groundhog's Day. This episode was co-written by Kat and me, your humble host. I was in the Virgin Islands once. I met a girl. We ate lobster drank pina coladas. At sunset, we made love like sea otters. That was a pretty good day. Why couldn't I get that day over and over? You know, some guys would look at this glass and they would say, you know, that glass is half empty. Other guys would say, that glass is half full. I think you as a glass-is-half-empty kind of guy, am I right? What would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing that you did mattered? That about sums it up for me. Good luck. I decided to take a staycation this week. Sitting on the porch, getting a tan, listening to audiobooks, writing and drawing, it's been amazing. As I write this, it's early May. Enjoying the sun and calm of the quarantine world. No one can interrupt my plans because the government has given me a viable excuse to be my true introverted self. And not go anywhere or do anything. No errands, no visits, no obligations forced on me true and utter freedom. And wouldn't you know it, it started to snow. Not enough to stick, just enough to kind of fuck with your head. It just got me thinking about my distaste in general for the weather people. I don't care that they get the weather wrong. I just don't like people having a vested interest in implying a truth they're not certain of. I guess the weather would be less entertaining if you had a weather person standing up there waffling, covering all the bases but I stand by my distaste. The weather network I especially hate. My father would have it on for hours. Why? I have no idea. No longer is the weather just the weather. Every other week, the storm of the century is rolling in. I guess colorful language is the best way to get people riled up enough to buy fancy trucks during the commercial breaks. If it isn't a capitalist push to force materialism on people, then it's just some kind of evil villain in the background encouraging the bleak daily small talk conversation about the weather. Yeah, today is nice, but this weekend it's going to turn bad. Yeah, today is bad, but this weekend should be good. The trouble with weather forecasting is that it's right too often for us to ignore it, and it's wrong too often for us to rely on it. It's a quote by Patrick Young. 32 years, 32 years, I have endured this mindless banter. I blame the weather people and their evil mastermind. So who's pulling the strings? 
Who's the puppet master behind all this weather forecasting prognostication? You guessed it. It's the goddamn groundhog, that's who. That nasty, mangy coward who dictates our meteorological fates with an utter disdain for humanity's desire to see rebirth and renewal of the world. Puxitani Phil. The Mermoda Monax, aka the Groundhog, aka the Woodchuck, aka the Mangy Coward Puppet Master, is a member of the Squirrel Family. Know thy enemy. Today we discuss the folklore of Groundhog Day. But first, for those who may be unaware, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? A woodchuck could chuck as much wood as a woodchuck would chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Alright, you ready for the real answer? A woodchuck could chuck 700 pounds. Now we know. And Joe's knowing is half the battle. Someone took a look at their life, the infinite possibility and limited time in this plane of existence and decided, I'm gonna figure out how much wood a woodchuck could chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Good on you, buddy. For those unfamiliar with the cinematic brilliance of Groundhog Day, starring Bill Murray, the synopsis is as follows. A weatherman is out to cover the annual emergence of the groundhog from its hole. He gets caught in a blizzard that he didn't predict and finds himself trapped in a time warp. He is doomed to relive the same day over and over again until he gets it right. This movie was written by Harold Ramis. The film's main character, Phil Connors, has some of the greatest one-liners of all time, and it is an amazing movie, folks. You probably remember it from, you know, your childhood growing up when all you had was six VHS tapes and you had to keep cycling through them. But I suggest going back now that you're older and taking a look. For those that haven't experienced a Groundhog Day before, it's essentially every February 2nd, people gather to observe a groundhog emerge from its hole in the ground, uh, then if the groundhog sees its shadow or not, dictates how much longer we have of winter. Six more weeks till spring or six more weeks of winter. If the groundhog sees its shadow, winter weather will continue. If the groundhog does not see a shadow, an early spring and the winter will end quickly. The tradition of Groundhog Day originated as a German tradition from the medieval European times. Originally reliant on a hedgehog. The mental image of Sonic and later Hosen deciding the weather is one that I will forever cherish. February 2nd is historically the date of uh, Christian celebration, Candlemas, a Christian festival during which candles are lit. Like many Christian rituals, Candlemas has its origins in pagan rituals, by which farmers would purify their lands by carrying torches in procession before sowing time. Many old proverbs draw links between the length of winter and weather conditions that occur on this particular date. In Scotland, there was an old saying, if Candlemas is bright and clear, there'll be two winters in this year. In England, an old song elaborates on this idea. If Candlemas be fair and bright, come winter, have another flight. If Candlemas brings clouds and rain, go winter and come not again. English always got a one-up, people, huh? The tradition immigrated to North America with German settlers. 
specifically in communities located in the U.S. state of Pennsylvania. Likewise, German settlers further north spread the tradition in Canada too, with the largest Canadian settlement tied to the tradition being located in Nova Scotia, which Groundhog Day is referred to as Dax Day. Dax originating from the German word Dach, which translates to badger. While the animal varies geographically, the core myth remains the same. The groundhog's reach is far, folks. Never trust a rodent. Except for Splinter. The most renowned Groundhog Day celebration belongs to Puxitani, Pennsylvania, where the German heritage remains strong and Puxitani Phil is a celebrity groundhog. It is claimed that the average attendance for this event had been about 2,000 people annually prior to 1993. But after Bill Murray's film, Groundhog Day, crowds can come as high as 40,000 attendees. Live Science Online asks the question we all have been wondering. How accurate are Puxitani Phil's Groundhog Day forecasts? To answer that question, they consulted the Puxitani Groundhog Club, who take care of Phil year-round, and whose inner circle are responsible for rousing Phil every February 2nd. I repeat, there is a Puxitani Groundhog Club, and the privileged inner circle of that club, the most coveted positions in the club's hierarchy, are appointed the distinct honor of luring Phil, the Groundhog, from his hole. I wonder if there's an election, or what exactly the application process looks like for determining who gets those positions. I imagine there is some sort of elderly council responsible for determining an individual's appropriateness to represent the club as a respectable association. Can you imagine what the application form looks like? Date, name, address, multiple choice section about, uh, you know, what is the applicant's actual knowledge of Groundhog Day and Puxitani Phil? Question 1. The first reported news of a Groundhog Day was the Puxitani Spirit newspaper in what year? A. 1886 B. 1902 C. 1875 D. 1943 Correct. A. 1886 what inspires your desire to become a member of the Groundhog Club? How has Puxitani Phil impacted your life? Folks, I know a cult when I see one. I wonder what their initiation is like. Probably like some kind of drunken frat party or something. If you're approved for membership, are you just wanting to remain a lackey doomed to clean up woodchuck shit for the rest of your days? Or will you pursue an inner circle position? to one day be he or she who lures Phil from his hole on a future February 2nd. Your family would be so proud. If so, how would you lure him out? I I'm wondering, is there like high school drama? We have to gain alliances and defeat a rival to become the Groundhog King or Queen? I don't know how I feel about this. I think I envy anyone that could have enough drive and ambition that if they set their eyes on a goal, they would follow through. 
even if it's just to be a glorified rat wrangler. I think it's important to note that Phil doesn't actually have to see his shadow with his own eyes. He just has to cast a shadow for those in attendance to see. Phil, frankly, is not required to give a shit. He need only show up. Like a child attending a family reunion. You see him in the pictures, but he probably would have wanted to just stay home. I both have to show up for my work and perform my duties in exchange for monetary reimbursement of my time. Maybe I'm just a Puxatani Phil hater. According to the Groundhog Club's records, since February of 1887, when Phil officially became a prophet, records report him predicting 103 forecasts of more winter and only 20 early springs. Compared to actual weather outcomes since 1969, Phil's overall accuracy is about 36%. Flipping a coin would be a more accurate activity for predicting the end of the winter and not trusting this rodent. I would be curious to see a meteorologist's forecast accuracy compared to data for the actual weather outcomes. I'm not sure that Phil's 36% would be the lowest grade in the class. Phil has just one day every year to demonstrate his skill. While meteorologists have the benefit of actively practicing their witchcraft year-round, with access to technology and statistics for climate trending over time. Meanwhile, Phil does or does not have to have a shadow. There's a variety of other towns throughout the US that celebrate Groundhog's Day, with their own local furry meteorologists such as Milltown Mel in New Jersey, Jimmy the Groundhog in Wisconsin, Staten Island Chuck for New York City, Dunkirk Dave in Western New York State, General Beauregard Lee of Georgia, Potomac Phil in Washington DC is actually a taxidermied groundhog. And although his heart has stopped, he is still stuffed full of Groundhog Day spirit. I must go to here. I must know what this looks like firsthand as a groundhog wrangler reaches in and wrestles out a stuffed groundhog and then raises it above his head like Simba before all of its worshippers. A terrified snarl forever etched on its petrified face. Oh, I want to go to Potomac. Then there's Sir Walter Wally of Rayla, North Carolina who is celebrated at North Carolina's Museum of Natural Sciences, and they claim Wally has the highest number of cor correct predictions at a rate of 58% accuracy. Here in Canada, we have our own collection of groundhogs, with groupies who attend a variety of celebrations, attracting the attention of tourists and media. From east to west, we have Shubanakadi Sam in Nova Scotia, Fred Lamourmet in Quebec, I said that very Anglo. Three in Ontario, Wyatt's and Willie, my boy, Oil Springs Ollie, and Gary the Groundhog. Kinda sounds like a piss poor gathering of superheroes. Go get them, Gary. Then there's two in Manitoba, Winnipeg Willow and Brandon Bob, and finally Balzac, Billy in Alberta. Possibly the nuttiest name of them all. Nah. <laughs> Yes, folks, Balzac is the name of a small community in Alberta. B-A-L-Z-A-C. Z, not Z. Canadian meteorologist Cindy Day estimates that Nova Scotia's Shibindakdi, Sam, 
I am getting that name so wrong, but there's so many syllables, has a 45% accuracy rate, that Puxatani Phil has a 39% accurate accuracy rate, which is 3% more generous than the Groundhog Club's own records, and that Wyerton Willie only has 25% accuracy. While the groundhog is possibly the most popular weather-predicting animal in Western observances, there is a variety of prophetic members of the animal kingdom held responsible for the hopes of people praying for an early end to winter. In Siberia, Romania, and Hungary, folklore looks to the bear that will awaken from hibernation on February 2nd. Like the groundhog from its hole, the bear emerges from its cave to either see its shadow, frightening it back into hibernation, or not. Damn, Russians! We're just messing around with groundhogs, you guys are waiting for a bear to come out. In Germany, in addition to claiming the fame for the hedgehog tradition, uh, a frog is put into a jar with a sturdy twig, and the higher up the twig the frog climbs, the better the weather predicted for winter's end. Poor frog. In February of 2018, promoters of a lobster festival in Barrington Passage, Nova Scotia, created a new Groundhog's Day ritual using a lobster. In front of an appreciative audience, Lucy the lobster crawled out of an ocean and onto the south shore. After a little help climbing aloft the lobster trap, she failed to see her shadow predicting an early springtime. The event marked the kickoff of the south shore lobster crawl food and cultural festival centering around everyone's favorite crustacean, as reported by Cottage Life Online. Those crazy maritimers would, I love it. People tend to wait for spring with all the excitement and desperation akin to watching the clock turn 11-11. I once made the mistake of enthusiastically saying, look, it's 11-11, make a wish, to a menacingly miserable rain cloud of a person I knew once. She responded with a heartbreaking accusation to the effect of, You're as hopeless as the rest of humankind. Then proceeded to explain to me that the 11th minute of the 11th hour is not to be celebrated as a time of hopes and dreams, but mourned as the most desperate minute of the day because every sad sack who catches the clock at 11-11 thinks to whatever dream they're failing to achieve or a hope that isn't coming true. Do you remember the quote at the start of this episode? The toxic human being that I just spoke about would be the glasses half-empty kind. Some people just look for anything to be miserable about, and I don't understand. She's like the Eeyore of humanity. <sighs> Spring as a season carries so much weight for those feeling worn out and weary from the winter weather and a bleak life. Spring marks the end of hibernation, the start of the rejuvenation of nature, and the rebirth of crops, the mating season for many animals. It's a time of restoration and renewal. The world is full of rituals and traditions that celebrate spring. Groundhog Day, sure, but also pagan festivals for the spring equinox or the Christian observance of Easter. Regardless of religious affiliation, who can resist the Cadbury mini-eggs? among other chocolate treats or marshmallow peeps. Those gooey, sugar-covered yellow chickadees representing the consumption of tasty baby birds. Or more likely the abundance of baby birds, I don't know. It could be argued it's just an arbitrary date on a calendar, but a little hope can go a long way, folks. A fresh and new feeling for change is always welcome. 
For those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, spring comes as a relief. A time for opening the windows, welcoming the fresh spring breeze in, and the excitement of watching the snow mounds disappear. Spring is that sweet spot between the end of the dark days and before the beginning of the sweaty disdain for the weekly lawn mowing. Speaking of which, I cut my grass this week and a neighbor walked by today with an offhand comment about how much better the lawn looks cut. Lady, I might not have a full social schedule. I might spend my day high in the basement watching cartoons or writing, or both. But lady, the day I care about my grass so much as I want to impress your perception of what looks good or bad in my corner of solace, in my fortress of solitude, put a fucking gun in my mouth. Metaphorically speaking. She is probably the kind of human being that has an opinion on when the Christmas lights should go up or down on the outside of someone else's house. As long as they're not shining in your house, why would it matter? I don't understand the people that put them up in the first place. <sighs> yeah, it's nice to see. Thank you for those that do it. I'm just lazy. It's freeing to unbundle and be outdoors in less layers than what you've been wearing for the last six months of bitter, inhospitable winter weather. To air out the dog farts from the basement without fear of the pipes freezing. Looking at you, Obi. Spring is like the seasonal parade towards summer, for which we must prepare with spring cleaning. We wait for spring, which makes a lot of sense as the complicated advanced apes that we are. As soon as the good weather hits, instead of going outside to enjoy it, we create a long list of chores to get finished inside the house first. We watch for signs of spring like the V of honking geese overhead returning from Florida, followed by the annual migration of the silver-haired snowbirds. We celebrate symbols that suggest warmer days are on their way. Nancy, come quick. Look out the window. There are two blue jays sitting on the bird feeder. With a desperate longing in our hearts, we search for the signs and symptoms of spring. Anything to end the winter. Anything new to take our minds off the monotony of our daily lives. Sure, we got February 2nd, Groundhog's Day. In March, there's whispered affirmations uttered in every smoking court between numb and yellowed fingers. In like a lamb, out like a lion. Or, in like a lion, out like a lamb. In Canada, we observe daylight savings, and that's where all the clocks roll ahead one hour. We may moan about losing an hour of sleep, you know, spring forward, fall back. But the complaint is brief in exchange for an end to the restless drain of waking in darkness and dining in darkness as we enjoy increased evidence that the sun has not forsaken us eternally. We are so in tuned with this routine, this minor change always sees an uptick in heart attacks and car accidents. Currently, I'm mentally sticking my tongue out at all the free spirits out there. Structure isn't the worst thing in the world, folks. April has its very own myth. April showers bring May flowers. And it helps to have this little rhyme because every day it rains and it's cloudy and gray and miserable out. But we get flowers at the end of it. 
If you've heard any other meteorological myths, weather-related superstitions, or future-predicting animals that you'd like to share, please enlighten us. You can communicate with the Midnight Owl on Instagram, Twitter, or by email at beardandboard at gmail.com. After going through this awesome script, I got the bug, sat down, and watched Groundhog Day again. I've always loved it, but forgot that this movie wasn't a nihilistic torture of a sarcastic jerk. It was a tale about redemption. Possibly even about finding true love, or growing and maturing so that you could accept that love. The memory of this movie resonated with me, or at least the younger version of me, because every day was the same. No matter how much you try or what you do, you're always going to end up in the same bed at the same time. Same schedule. Walk the dog, eat breakfast, go to work, go home, walk the dog, eat supper, go to bed. Good days and bad days happen. Everything equals out into this gray morass. A day passes, a week passes, years go by, and you wake up looking around thinking, shouldn't this have gotten better? Am I here only to suffer another day and nothing will happen? When will I get my call to adventure? Follow my hero's journey. Travel into the unknown and return triumphant, changed and able to conquer this world. Or is all of it just this constant, unending boredom of feeling unfulfilled? Work home repeat. Dream about the weekends or vacations until they actually happen and then have anxiety every day it's happening because you might not be enjoying it enough to make it worthwhile so the next section of your life is fucking bearable until the next weekend or vacation comes up. And that's why that movie always made sense to me. Because that was the truth, man. The world didn't want to acknowledge it was all bullshit repetition of this day before. People don't change. Circumstances don't change. You know, you always have this feeling or you hear other people say, if I could just get out of the city, if I could just uncover a secret talent or maybe some kind of like secret ancestry, that would launch me into some kind of adventure, some kind of meaning. If a poorly constructed fucking transport could flip over and splash me with radioactive material granting me superpowers to finally smash my way through to something else, I could finally be happy. I might finally be happy. The cynic in me knew that happy just wasn't in the cards for me. The best I could do was accept I wasn't very talented. That in some way I could be there to support someone else that actually was on a journey of creativity. I was too vanilla, too average, too mired in circumstance to ever really overcome the social class I was born into. Smart enough to understand that there was a better way of life out there, too dumb to ever attain it. It was my lot in life. I was doomed to go to work and have the same conversations. Listen to the same boasts about sports teams I don't give a shit about. City to city, province to province, I've moved, attempted to reinvent myself, and always woke up in the same routine of the dark-humored stoner. Watching the same shows, mumbling to others that shit rolls downhill, payday's Friday. I couldn't even quit the job I had now to run away to a city that has delivery. Because my job is too good. 
One of the kids I worked with called it golden handcuffs. One of the darkest moods I ever had was the day I realized my dog didn't get out of bed until after the second time I opened the door. I was in such a routine, I'd wake up at 5am, go upstairs, pee, go for a smoke, come back in, and then walk the dog. He knew the routine, so no need to get out of bed to wait 15 minutes outside of the door to go for a walk. The second time I opened the door was his actual alarm. When your dog treats you like a snooze button, it can be a sign you've hit rock bottom. <laughs> All that. And then I rewatched Groundhog's Day. The ending of the movie has the main character giving an impassioned speech, one he has given hundreds or thousands of times, running around the town saving everyone he could, growing to understand that there were those that he couldn't save. Spending this time to gain skills, playing piano, reading poetry, learning French. I think that this was saying that you have obligations to work, community, and yourself. All those things have to be in balance. A few people have made estimations based on what days were shown in the movie, and the skills he gained and how much time it would take to gain those skills. Phil was in Puxitani for over 33 years. 33 years of the same day. People put forward the theory that the insurance salesman is actually the devil, and he is in purgatory until he can redeem his soul. Ever since the first slight, he is doomed to repeat day after day until he finally signs the contract for life insurance, probably with the fine point of him losing his soul. I have a different take, a perspective that isn't a eureka moment. I'm just finally approaching the threshold of gaining enough wisdom to appreciate the life that I have built. How good I have it. I might be a long way away from the person I want to become, but I am past the halfway point from the person I was. Sobriety doesn't really scare me anymore. My debts are minuscule. I just got pre-approved for a mortgage. The podcast is an amazingly fun hobby got my weight under control, my co-workers are funny, kind-hearted monsters. I even convinced a few to start playing Dungeons and Dragons with me, so once a week now I can take them on an audio journey into some mythic place. And hopefully tell an interesting story along the way. On the days off, for 20 minutes or 2 hours, I can sit back, get online, and feel close to my friends. Almost as if we're on the same couch making fun of one another when we lose, or celebrating victories together. All of that, and I never have to kick them out of my house when I no longer feel like having company, I can just log out. Technology does have its advantages, folks. And sure, all this could change. Maybe I get shifted to a different team, or, you know, people's priorities have to change. Our time together is amazing. We could grow apart. Other responsibilities could sneak in and take precedence of our downtime. Maybe they get more work obligations or decide to have children. And that's okay because we have time now for fun and laughter. I've opened up enough because of this to start having friends here as well. We go see comedy shows together or hunt down undiscovered barbecue places. I know that I'm loved, respected. People compliment my creativity even if I still struggle to see it. 
and this is because of the actions I have taken in my life. The best compliment I have ever been given is that I'm a very structured person. I haven't always been, but I'm trying. I couldn't have done this alone. Escaping my Groundhog's Day. Without mom, our head researcher and chef, I'd still be struggling with my self-worth and weight. Her constant approval of my 1,000 plans of whatever I'm going to try next is awesome. I have someone in my corner, even if I'm not. Couldn't have done this without my friends. Zach is one of my best friends, and he gave me some good advice I wasn't ready to hear. He told me that a basement is a basement no matter what city you live in. Meaning, sure, I could leave. I could start over anywhere, but nothing changes if I don't go out and join the world. Nothing gets better if I don't try. Kat told me something very similar in one of our conversations about being here. Here is the town we grew up in. Here is where the old family issues reside. Here is the feeling of inadequacy as you are constantly compared to your teenage self and you're doing your best to become the perception of whatever it means to be an adult. This place isn't so bad if you no longer allow it to become here. Redefine your environment and your circumstances will change. I am no longer in the town I grew up in. I am living my life as best I can in a world of my own design. It's not perfect, but it's on me to figure out what's wrong and fix those things. And that's why spring is beautiful. I am at a point of renewal. Rebirth. I'm trying again. And then, man, maybe I'll fuck it up. But next year there'll be another spring, and another chance to try. Hopefully this just isn't a manic high that'll come to some kind of crashing end when the night shift cycle starts. And I gotta go two weeks on five hours of sleep a night, or the slightest bit of adversity doesn't send me into some kind of tailspin. Maybe I'll have to rewatch Groundhog's Day and see it for the romance movie that it is. Phil had his once-in-a-lifetime moment with a woman that would become the love of his life. And he had 33 years to live that moment. It wasn't until he realized her true beauty, that who she was as a person, kind, loving, and giving, that it was worth aspiring to, to be like that. Every day, for decades. Not to get her into bed, but to try and genuinely become that for himself. Killing himself over and over again, car accidents, explosions, gunshots, electrocutions were just a symbol of him giving up. Of not seeing the hope. Of not believing that people could change. That your world could get a little better. If you're bored, if you're looking around feeling like your life is on repeat, that a new job, a dog, a new place is that thing that might finally bring you happiness, remember that... Remember that sometimes it's worthwhile doing a little bit of introspection. Working on yourself. Well, folks, I hope any of that made sense. I got a bit of a ramble going there. I hope this finds you well. Don't forget to take a second. An owl at the moon. Hurt, hurt. No one can interrupt.
Whoa! Almost lost my goddamn microphone. Alright, let's try that again. Then there's Sir Walty Wall Then there's Sir Walter Wally of Rayla, North Carolina. He was celebrated at the North Car Carolina Museum of Naturalist Sciences. I'm sorry, North Carolina. Apparently I can't say that name. And then they claim that Wally has the highest number of cor correct I can't say correct either. Wally has the highest number of correct predictions at a rate of 58%. Canadian meteorologist Cindy Day estimates the Nova Scotia's Shubandaki Sam, I am butchering that name, Shubandaki Shubagari, Shubandaki, Nancy, 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 come here, come quick, look out, oh Nancy, oh, hello. Nancy, come quick. Look out the window. There are two blue jays sitting on the bird feeder. Uh, well, look who... Yes, yes, well. Why can't I talk? I want to talk like an old person. Nancy, come quick. Look out the window. There are two blue jays sitting on the bird feeder. Oh, yeah, 